0: Are you working through any box sets at the moment? All 120 episodes of My Family on iPlayer? Or your complete DVD collection of Downton Abbey? Or reading all those Agatha Christie stories starting at the very first? Or the complete plays of William Shakespeare? Or perhaps listening to the works of Beethoven? In this anniversary year, or something a little bit more contemporary. I'm one who loves series. I like to get into a particular author and read all the books that they've written. And at the moment, I'm about to launch into reading or rereading the novels of Josephine Tay. The problem is, at the moment, I'm reading her biography. And that's a fascinating story in itself, so it may take me some time. Maybe lockdown needs to go on even longer, heaven forbid. One of the great series in the Bible are the books of Luke. We have only two amazing books by Luke. That of his Gospel, the Gospel of Luke, and that of his second book, the Acts of the Apostles. Imagine if he had been able to carry on the See It series. Imagine that we were reading of Jesus's continued work, decade by decade, century by century, until we reached our own day. How would Luke tell the story of the church today? with its strengths and its weaknesses, its unity and its divisions, its faithful and faltering disciples, responding as we can to the call of God in Jesus, to love God and to love our neighbour as ourselves. Would Luke be critical of us, challenging, or affirming and encouraging? Maybe he'd be a little of both. What he would certainly write is that the work of Jesus has not been finished. That the Spirit continues his life among us and within us. Well, we haven't got all those hundreds of next instalments. But we do have his second book, The Acts of the Apostles the second part of the story of Jesus. He begins by addressing it to Theophilus, literally friend of God. Perhaps he was writing to one person with that great name, or maybe he was using that to address all his readers, all who were potentially friends of God you and I being called friends of God. First, a friend of God, because God has offered his friendship to us and to all people in the friendship we see lived out in Jesus. And secondly, because we are called to be God's friends. And that challenges us to think Are we good friends, or poor ones? Faithful, loyal, caring friends to God, or simply friends by name? To be a friend of God is not just signing up, like signing up to be a friend on Facebook. It is about a friendship that is renewed, every day, a friendship that is deep and mysterious and powerful and lasting. So challenge yourself to be a good friend of God in the week ahead. And having introduced his second book, Luke tells again the story of Jesus returning to God, lifted up to heaven. And whatever we make of that image, and sometimes it's a strange one of Jesus going up into the clouds, whatever we make of that image, it is about a transition from the life of Jesus on earth to his life in the glory and the love of God, and in the lives of his followers. Kate Constance's reflection, written some years ago, still reminds me of what that strange story of the Ascension is really about. She wrote this, What does Christ's Ascension mean? That he is taken away from us? No. That he is given to us more fully. Christ, crucified and risen, is set free. From one time, for all times. From one community, for all communities. From one sex, to both sexes. From one culture, to all cultures. From one world, to all worlds. From the life of one individual. For life within every trusting heart. And that's why Luke, both in the Gospel and in Acts, describes the ascension of Christ, not as some sad parting, but as a moment of triumph. His Gospel ends with these words, The disciples worship Christ and return to Jerusalem with great joy, and they stay continually at the temple, praising God. And Luke links the Ascension of Christ to His promise of the Holy Spirit. He tells them to stay in the city until they receive power from on high. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes to you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so having been promised the Holy Spirit, the disciples returned to Jerusalem, both to the temple and to the upper room. The passage we heard today ends with a wonderful picture of the disciples united in prayer. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Having been doubted when they witnessed to the resurrection of Jesus, the women are now fully included within that church family group. And Jesus' own family is there too. His brothers who in the past had wanted to take Jesus home now join his followers. And his mother Mary is there. The mother who had shared so much with her son and had seen him die on a cross. But as now has found new hope, new purpose and new life. And here is Luke honoring her naming her alongside the Apostles. She has a special place within the life of the Church of Jesus. And in all these centuries on, in whatever instalment we have reached, we're called to join together constantly in prayer. We're called to do the same Even though we cannot physically meet at this time, we can join together in prayer for each other and for the world. And that's not about saying the same prayer or thinking the same thoughts or praying in the same manner, but it is about the Spirit joining and uniting us. The spirit that inspires us to be friends of God. Our prayers can be offered in silence as well as in words. They can begin with thanksgiving as we count our blessings and move on to praise. They can include humility and times to say sorry to our friend, our friend indeed. And of course praying can include all our emotions, our concerns, our hopes and fears, our frustrations and our joys. The people and the situations that so concern us. So I invite you to join with the church in all its variety in this week ahead as we share in the whole programme, Thy Kingdom Come. The praying that will be going on across the globe. May we pray for more to know the love of Jesus, for God's kingdom of peace and justice and compassion to come, and for God's will to be done in us and through us. It's been good in recent weeks to see the churches working together both in Wickham and in the Bourne-End-Flatwell-Heath area. Christians have been praying together already, sometimes using Zoom, or simply praying at particular times. And the United Reformed Church has a particular vocation to work and pray for the unity of the Church today. The visible unity of the Church in the way Christ chooses So let's play our part in this united prayer. And of course we'll be different, we'll offer prayer in different ways. And we mustn't be threatened by the ways other people pray, whatever praying that is. As Michael Topple wrote in one of the URC Daily Devotions this week, a lay preacher in Eastern Synod, he wrote this, reflecting on the story of Babel. One of the delights of the URC is the wide variety contained within it. In terms of theology, practice, opinion and architecture, we are a real amalgam. I think that the story of Babel serves to highlight how God doesn't want us all to be identical, or mirror images of one another, but instead rejoices in our diversity. So let's celebrate that diversity and that unity as we pray together and prepare for the great festival of Pentecost. Let's join with that global wave of prayer as we wait upon the Spirit, that Spirit of love and truth, the Spirit of Jesus, that can renew and refresh our lives and the life of God's rainbow church and the life of God's hurting world. Amen. Before our closing prayers, we hear from John's Gospel. Here Jesus prays that God may be glorified in him and he prays for his disciples that they may be one one in him and his father. And Daphne is to read this. Daphne, stop forth from Corsair Church.
1: Today's reading is from John, chapter 17, verses 1 to 11. Jesus prays to the Father. After Jesus said this, he looked towards heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, Glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine, and glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one, as we are one.